Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. It's so wonderful and what a blessing it is to be able to be together each day right here. Open up God's Word, study a little bit further, dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more from those rich teachings and truths right here on Search the Scriptures. We do exactly as the name suggests. We get into God's Word. We don't just talk about God's Word and just talk about God. We dig deep into His teachings. We try to help you understand the Scriptures in a deeper fashion, a fuller fashion, and at the same time explain them in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. So here in Search the Scriptures, we want to really glorify God by teaching his word accurately and effectively, even powerfully, to help people grow in their faith. We keep saying, faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So as you keep studying with us, then your faith should be growing deeper, stronger, fuller. And as that happens, you should be coming closer to God. Our prayer is that you will come to him all the way through Jesus Christ, as he has laid out for us in Scripture, repenting of your sins, Luke 13 and verse 3, confessing your faith in Christ openly as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, Matthew 10, 32 and 33, and surrendering to him in baptism as he told the apostles to teach as he was ready to ascend back into heaven for forgiveness and salvation, Mark 16, 15 and 16, and Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Our prayers are with you, and our prayers are for you, and we really do pray for you. Now, we want to encourage you to encourage others to listen to Search the Scriptures. Now, I know that schedules prevent people a lot of times from being able to listen at the exact times that these programs are aired, even though we are actually on locally here in the Omaha area about five times a day. Not everybody can work their schedules around to hear during those specific times. But there is a way that you can listen. And that is by telling your friends, and you can do this yourself, go to our website at churchofchrist.com. Churchofchrist.com. Now, it's free. Scroll down the home page to our podcast button. Click on that and sign up for our podcasting. It'll take you about one minute. If I can do it, (laughs) most anybody can do it. One minute, and it's all free. When you sign up for our podcasting, you'll receive these daily radio programs automatically sent to your device, whatever one you choose, your smartphone, your computer, your laptop, your pad, your tablet, whatever device you choose, these programs will go automatically to that device every day. Plus, you'll receive all of our sermons, all of our Bible studies, and a great short daily Bible study that we call Today's Bible Class. About a 12-minute study each day. Help us keep focused on our spiritual lives and in our relationship with God, and at the same time, keep us into His Word. So share that message, that information with your friends, And you take advantage of it too. Sign up for our podcasting. Again, it's free. It always will be free. And then you can receive all of these study and teaching materials automatically sent to your device on a daily basis. We hope you'll do that and encourage others to do so as well. Well, we've been studying through 
grace, God's grace, for a long time now. We have looked at this subject, this general subject of God's grace, in several different sections. And we're coming to the last section today. We're going to start this last section and then work our way through it. And then we'll bring this series of studies on God's grace to a close. It has been a very rich and deep study. I pray that it has been for you and will be for you as you continue to think about it and contemplate upon these teachings. And I pray that it has been and will be for a great many others who have the opportunity to listen to these programs. Now, if you have missed any of these, will you, again, you can go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, click on the listen button, and you can download those radio programs. They're archived there, so you can listen to them even if you've missed some along the way. Well, let's get into this last section. Our previous section was entitled, and I try to title these by sections, and that helps us keep the particular focus. The last one was God's grace and my faith, talking about how my faith reacts to God's grace. Now, this last section is really, I think, a, an appropriate concluding section of study on God's grace. And it simply says, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. A whole lot of people talk themselves out of becoming a Christian, thinking that they cannot be forgiven of their sins, or that they cannot live the Christian life, or they're just too bad to be good. And so they never take the step to become a Christian. They talk themselves out of it. Now, actually, that's by the devil's instigation, but they just convince themselves, I, I cannot do that. I, I cannot do that. God will not do that for me. And so they never become a Christian. There are also many Christians who talk themselves out of being active, dedicated, working Christians, thinking they simply do not have the abilities to serve. They just don't know enough. They're not good enough. They don't understand. They don't have those, those abilities and capabilities, and so they just never do much more than just show up at worship services. And in their minds, they're faithful and dedicated, but they never get involved hardly at all in an active way in the work and activities of the church and in serving God actively. Neither group the ones who talk themselves out of becoming Christians because they think they cannot live the life or that they're too bad to be good, that God would not forgive them. And also the other group, those Christians who they talk themselves out of being active and serving and working Christians, both groups, neither, one of, it, it, neither of them take into account the sufficiency of God's grace to work in their individual personal lives. Now let me say that again. Neither group takes into account the sufficiency of God's grace to work in their individual personal lives. We need to understand the lesson. God's grace is sufficient. Whatever the need might be, Whatever the situation confronting us, 
God's grace is sufficient to see us through that, to help us to deal with that effectively. Now, let's look at this principle, God's grace is sufficient, in a series of statements or understandings or applications, a series of applications. Now, first, and we've talked about this repeatedly, and I think pretty thoroughly throughout this series of studies on God's grace, God's grace is sufficient to save you. When we look at Ephesians chapter 2, we've read through this text, but let's look at it again by way of application in this particular study, understanding that God's grace is sufficient. You think you cannot be saved? You think you're too bad to be good? You think God would never forgive somebody as horrible as you? You think you can't live the life? You need to learn and you need to trust the truth that God's grace is sufficient. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, dead in our sins, in other words. Is that you? You think you're so far deep down in sinfulness that God cannot forgive you? You need to think about the spiritual condition, the sinfulness, the horrible sinfulness of a whole lot of people in New Testament days, including Saul of Tarsus, who would later be forgiven and become the Apostle Paul, divinely appointed. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And here's the first statement here. By grace you have been saved. Now, you talk about terrible sinners. Most of the people of that day were idol worshipers. And all kinds of wickedness went with the worship of idols all kinds. And yet, while they were dead in their sins, dead in their sins, God, through Christ, made them alive. We're talking about spiritually, brought them to life spiritually. They were born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, has to happen. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. They were made alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, God's grace is sufficient. The text goes on and says, even when we were dead in trespasses. Now, there's the statement again in verse 5. Or or there it is, as we read it before. We've been made alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and then, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, not only is God's grace sufficient to save you, God's grace is sufficient to see you through the rest of your life as an active, dedicated, faithful and obedient Christian. God can help you along those lines where you think you're too weak to stay faithful, to be obedient, to be consistent in living the Christian life. 
God's grace is sufficient. In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, by grace you have been saved, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. By grace you have been saved. See, you don't save yourself. You cannot do anything good enough to save yourself. You cannot do anything so pure and righteous, or you cannot compile enough acts of that kind of of behavior and lifestyle, of being so good, so righteous, doing so many great works, that God then is obligated to save you, or that in some way, through all of those works of righteousness, you save yourself. You don't save yourself. You think you're too bad to be good? You think you cannot be saved? God's grace is sufficient. It's not by your works that you save yourself, but again, by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, don't get me wrong, we have also emphasized throughout this study that God expects us to respond to his offer of saving us by his grace. He expects us to respond to him and that offer of salvation by grace in obedience. He expects us to come to him in faithful obedience. Remember, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, John 14 and verse 15. We must be obedient. Remember that the Hebrews writer wrote using Jesus as a comparison or as an example. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. And having been perfected or made perfect, he became the author or source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, some people would say obedience, that's not necessary. It's all God's grace, nothing you. No, God, God is the one who saves us by his grace. But he expects us to come to him in faithful obedience. Obedience. And then he saves us. Now, God's grace is sufficient to save even you. You think you've been a terrible sinner? The Apostle Paul wrote, reflecting back upon his life before he became a Christian, before he was forgiven, before he was saved in Christ. He wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul referred to himself as having been the chief of sinners, not just a sinner, but he said, I was the chief of sinners. You see, he had persecuted Christians. He had persecuted the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He tried to compel Christians to blaspheme the name of Christ. He hunted them down and put them in bonds and took them back to Jerusalem to stand trial for their faith and even in some, in some cases voted for their execution. 
Now that's how horrible a sinner the Apostle Paul had been before he came to Jesus in faithful obedience to have his sins washed away by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. The Lord sent Ananias, a Christian man, to teach Saul. And he said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. Now, I don't know what went through Saul's mind at that time. He might have been thinking, what? I can be forgiven? Me? Having persecuted the church? Having compelled Christians to blaspheme the name of the Lord? I can still be forgiven? Ananias said, yeah, in essence, yeah. Arise, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Even he could be forgiven because God's grace is sufficient. When he wrote his second letter to Timothy, as recorded in Scripture, we look in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And here Paul wrote, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. You see, Paul at this time was a prisoner in Roman custody. And when you read this letter all the way through, he seems to expect that he is going to be executed imminently as he writes this letter. Therefore do not be ashamed of of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. So Paul is trying to encourage Timothy, and of course, as this is inspired scripture, this would have been shared with Christians and congregations all over the known world at that time, and, and, and ultimately written down and compiled for us in the body of the New Testament, so it applies to us today. It is an encouragement to us today, just as well. And so he says, don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed of the testimony or the gospel of Christ, nor of me, his prisoner. Don't be ashamed because I'm in jail right now, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Well, Paul was going through some of that right then. He was a prisoner. He was confined. But he says, you share with me. Why? Why? Verse 9. In the sufferings of the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, according, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You see, Paul had learned that God's grace is sufficient. And he was trying to tell Timothy. And of course, through that inspired letter, he was trying to tell Christians of all ages, you hang in there. You're suffering some afflictions, some persecutions, some tribulations, either physical or things of this world, or maybe things the devil's throwing at you. You, you hang in there. You be patient. Because the basic message is, God's grace is sufficient to see you through all of that. 
so that you can stay faithful, so that you can stay the course, so that you can be that Christian that God wants you to be. Have faith. Have confidence. God's grace is sufficient. When we go back to Paul's letter to the Romans, his Romans letter, in chapter 5, verse 15, he says, But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Now, Paul's talking about the sinfulness of mankind, but at the same time, God's grace being sufficient to forgive if we will come to him through Jesus Christ in his way, faithfully, obediently. Verse 17, for if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, speaking of Adam and his sin in the garden and his introducing sinfulness into the reality of mankind, much more those who received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Well, okay. The devil was successful in leading Adam and his wife Eve into sin and then through sin, spiritual death and physical death, but God's grace is sufficient to lead us out of that sinfulness, to forgive us and equip us to live a faithful, godly life. Stepping away from sin, repenting of it. And then verse 19 and 20. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Speaking of Christ, dying on the cross. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You think you're too bad to be good? You think you've done such horrible things that you cannot be forgiven? You think you can't live the faithful, dedicated, consistent Christian life? God's grace is sufficient to save you and to equip you to live that faithful Christian life. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your mercy, for your love, for your kindness, for your patience with us. Thank you for your grace. And help us to believe and to embrace the promise of your grace if we will come to you your way through Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins and surrendering to him in baptism so that our sins can be forgiven, washed clean by the blood that he shed on the cross. Help us to have confidence in your grace, Father. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.